You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. We continue to get ready for the college football season, and it is inching closer, Jake. Yeah, 50 days, under 50 days, right? It's awesome. 50 days for high school football today. All right, so it is Top 10 Thursday, and since we started this thing, what, I don't know, how long has it been now, three months? Yeah, I guess. Uh, we still haven't done movies. I'm a little upset about that. Hopefully that day is we're coming. Building the, the, the summer, yeah, the anticipation. The summer is coming to an end, dude. We're we're gonna get to it the last week of July. Best sports movies of all time. Yeah, it will generate the most text of all time. Of all time. Yes. So your idea for today was to get us ready for the college football season. We would rank the ten best college football games of the year. Yes. Full disclosure, I'm not happy with my list. I don't think it's a very I'm good list. I'm not happy with your list either, just by one statement you made last segment. All right, so big picture, this is the problem I came came up with. I just It feels like I'm grouping the same teams, the same programs together. It's just, the, I mean, you could say my list, you could say this list we had a decade ago. No, not, not true. If you look at my list, that wouldn't be true. Right, good. Um, I look forward to it then. In some cases, yes, because I do value rivalries, especially when those rivals are really good. I mean, we're all going to tune in to see those big rivalry games, especially when it has you know, national title implications. So that, that argument, I, I'll give you that. But overall, I've got some games on here that I wouldn't have even had last year. You got Florida Atlantic on there, don't you? I do. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Let's get to the list then. Do you have Matt Canada in his uh, debut probably there? No, I did not have Matt Canada. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, listen to the music. That'll get us jacked up. Yes. Yes. Number 10. I've got Wisconsin at Penn State. So the last time we saw these two play was two years ago. It was in the Big Ten championship game. You remember that classic? Uh, Trace McSorley broke title game records with um, yards and TD passes in that game. They actually rallied to win 38-31 to before they went to the Rose Bowl and had that instant classic with USC. Um, but in that game, Penn State outscored Wisconsin 24-3 to, uh, to, to come back in the second half and win that game. Remember, Wisconsin was dominating that game. Penn State had to come back. And, of course, that's when all the talk of destiny began. Yeah. Is Barkley coming back to play in this game? He's not, but Trace McSorley is. Yeah. That's why I went out of my way to say Trace McSorley broke records the last time <laughs> they played. So, Penn State, I, I've already talked about this this week. I, I have them fourth in that division as far as power ranking those teams. You know, I have them behind Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State this year. That said, Wisconsin doesn't have a ton of huge games. And Wisconsin, because of their schedule, we're going to have that same conversation this year. Does Wisconsin deserve to get in because they're not having to play the best teams in the other division? So because of that, this is an absolute must-win for Wisconsin, and the pressure is going to be on, and I think that's why I have to include this in my top ten. All right, easy tie-in for me. You mentioned uh, Wisconsin. That is one of my number uh, my number ten game. 
Iowa versus Wisconsin. Uh, you, you know how ridiculous. much I love a game in a Kinnick Stadium. So I'm looking at Iowa's schedule and looking at a marquee matchups at home. And quite, Iowa, frankly, let me uh, quite frankly, this is the only game that is attractive besides the fact whenever you talk about the Hawkeyes, them laying an egg. Let me break they do some have news Northern Iowa the week before. Don't sleep on the Panthers versus the Hawkeyes. Let me break some news for you. Iowa will not be in the conversation for the college football playoff. When I'm making my list, I'm thinking about storylines regarding the national title. When I'm making my list, I'm looking at uh, games that we're going to be talking about for on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. How long will we talk about Wisconsin-Iowa? How long did we talk about Iowa-Penn State last year? Because of Saquon Barkley. That's different. That's a little different. When when you're out here trying to say he's the most exciting player since Deion Sanders, of course I'm going to stop and talk about it a little (laughs) bit and and call you out on it. Anyway – uh, strike one for you, Dietrich. That is my 10th best game, Iowa versus Wisconsin. The Badgers come to Kinnick Stadium. All right, number nine, Texas, Oklahoma. Mm. I have this on here because Texas almost beat Oklahoma last year, and that was year one for Tom Herman, and that was with Baker Mayfield for Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to be contending for a national title again this year because the Big 12 isn't that strong. Uh, I would actually put the Big 12 – dead last in terms of power five conferences okay so oklahoma can't afford a slip up and we all know crazy things happen when you get when you go up against your heated rival okay so because of that because i expect growth in tom herman's program i can't wait to see what happens when these two clash and if texas does end up pulling this off you know this game is always early into the season we might get a sound clip of texas is back folks and we can have that storyline throughout the year so i think it's a huge game uh, you mentioned the name there, Tom Herman. Week five, this is his opportunity versus the Sooners. Absolutely. I have it as my eighth best game. Okay, good. At number nine, USC at UCLA, week 12. <laughs> what is this? Uh, Chip Why? Kelly. You realize that Chip Kelly is having to do yeah. a rebuild job. He's a magic man. He's not that big of a magic man. He's going to be able to hide some of the discrepancies on the offensive line because they are going to be awful there. He's going to be able to mask that a little bit with his up-tempo style. But they're not competing. They're not competing in the Pac-12. Well, the Trojans have won 15 of the last 19 matchups against uh, UCLA, and uh, they've won the last three. It's not even a good rivalry by those stats. Well, that's why I have it at number nine. Okay. What do you have at number eight? FAU versus UCF. Why? Why is that laughable? UCF is claiming a national title. And their head coach left. Their head coach left, but guess what? Their quarterback's back. Mackenzie Milton, he's pretty dang good. Okay? I knew you were going to go with that Scott Frost thing, so I had the quarterback argument ready. UCF, they have created this, what, what do you call it, social media firestorm. Mm-hmm. You know, people are, especially in the South and SEC, people are upset that they're claiming this national championship. So all eyes will be on UCF this year to see how they do, what they do. The first time they slip up, people are going to pounce on that. FAU, meanwhile, is kind of in similar shoes as to UCF last year. They have a really good squad returning. They could be the Cinderella of the Group 5. They could, And I know that's a stretch just because they play Oklahoma in Week 1, and that's, that slipper's likely not going to fit, right? That said... I still think they're going to have a, a, a tremendous season, and Lane Kiffin is going to grab some headlines. So you have the interest of FAU 
and UCF, two of the Group 5 darlings meeting up, I had to include it in my top ten. There's only one problem with that. If this game was at the beginning of the year, I would maybe see your argument. But, I mean, we're talking November 23rd. Okay. You think How many losses do you think both squads will have by then? A couple. <laughs> Central Florida especially. I don't think so. I think both will have ten win seasons and will definitely be tuning in to see who wins this game. I'm telling you, a lot of people are going to be tuning into UCF games this year. I screwed up on that date, too, the one argument. It's actually September 21st. Oh, my. Okay, see, I thought that was wrong, but I'm like, you're looking (laughs) at it. You're believing me. Well, you're looking at the Uh, magazine. Week five. He's literally looking at a magazine, so I'm like, clearly he's reading it, so I'm wrong in my head. All right, so you got that at number eight. At number seven. (sighs) What? That that was your one argument against, too. I know. It's a a salty matchup. Mm. Look forward to it. Right. Central Florida versus Lane Kiffin. That was Kiffin. my number eight. My number seven. Big opportunity for Lane Kiffin to get out of Boca Raton. All right, you're going to argue this shouldn't be, but my number seven is Florida at Mississippi State. Okay, for obvious reasons, Dan Mullen, former head coach at Mississippi State, now head coach of Florida, he returns to Mississippi State, returns to Starkville. And I can't tell you how many times we've seen these magical moments where that coach returns back to the place he built up. I mean, instantly all of you are thinking of Nick Saban returning with Alabama to LSU. I mean, that – there's just something about that. That crowd is bloodthirsty. And and I, I I expect it to be that way with Mississippi State. It might be a little bit different just because they might be more appreciative of, you know, where he's brought Mississippi State. He's taken them to heights they have never seen before. But uh, I still think they'll be somewhat bloodthirsty. That plus you've got two really good teams going at it. And if Florida is able to beat Mississippi State, a team that a lot of people are viewing as the dark horse in the SEC West, now we can start talking about, okay, is this team – going to win the SEC East. Are they good enough to win the SEC East? Because Mississippi State's going to be one of the most physical teams in the conference. They're really good on both sides of the ball. If Florida can go in there and shock Mississippi State, hey, well, we'll start talking about the Gators. I like that argument. Well done. Okay. At number seven, I know you're going to like this. I got uh, Georgia making that trip to Tiger Stadium in week number seven versus LSU. Yeah, yeah. I've got that on my list, too. I've actually got that at number five. We can go ahead and talk about it now. Um, now, that could drop out of the rankings very quickly. It could. Uh, it could. But Georgia, I, I have it on my list more so for, for Georgia than LSU because I don't think LSU is going to compete for a national championship this year. I don't think they're going to compete for an SEC title just because of that schedule is so brutal and because there are a lot of question marks regarding that offense. We all know this. Georgia, meanwhile, has like – I would say two to three games that they could possibly lose this year in the regular season. And I put that LSU game there just because, like you said, they have to make the trip to Baton Rouge. And we know that Death Valley isn't what it used to be. Tiger Stadium isn't. But for these big games, it returns back to those magical moments that we that we all remember in Tiger Stadium. And I think this will be one of those games where fans will just be going absolutely crazy uh, because Georgia is going to be one of the best teams in the country. The atmosphere will be great. The game should be really competitive, uh, even though I don't think LSU can, can go you know, four quarters with them. I, I expect Georgia to end up pulling it out. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be huge, and, and Georgia cannot afford a slip-up here. And the three games you're looking at that the, the Bulldogs could pro- probably lose at LSU and then uh, Auburn at home and then, uh, I guess, uh, Georgia Tech. Maybe, throw in, maybe throw in Florida, of course. I was, I was including Florida in that. So, yeah. Um, that and then at number six, and this is a game we always have ranked higher than this, or at least I do, but, of course, it is, once again, all the question marks with LSU. 
put the Tigers and Alabama in week 10. <laughs> I didn't include that in my top 10. Um, I just think there's national – I'm trying to think of this for, for, as a national fan. I, I, don't, I think there's some fatigue there just because it, it, it stops becoming a rivalry when one team dominates it. And Alabama has dominated LSU, and it's kind of hard to keep selling people on the same thing every single year. When it's just not the case. I mean, every single year it's like, uh, is this the year LSU gets Alabama? Is this the year LSU knocks Alabama out of the title contention? Yada, yada, yada. The same old storylines. And it's the same result every year. I think people are going to get tired of that. People are over Saban being at Bama. You know, when people think of Nick Saban, they don't think of LSU anymore. They think about Alabama and this current run that he's on. So I have it just outside the top ten just because I know it's it's still going to be a smash-mouth football game, and those are my favorite games but in terms of national significance i think it's just outside the top 10 did you give us your number six my number six is stanford at washington uh because washington is a team that i've talked about washington a lot and i'll talk about them more when we review our pac-12 i view them as national title contender and stanford is like the one team i think can push them in the pac-12 there are a couple other teams that that will be interesting matchups but Stanford, I really, I'm really interested in seeing what David Shaw draws up for Washington. Washington team that, in the past, we've all kind of made fun of them because they've lost that, they've lacked that physical football, that that physical nature. I remember Lee Corso, um, who you know obviously is on college game day and travels to all these stadiums and all these big matchups. He goes to onto the sidelines and he watches these games. Well, after Washington played. It might have been the Washington-Washington Washington, Washington State game. This was like two years ago. He said, Washington wasn't physical. He said, it was just, it's different. It's, it, you don't hear the pads like you hear when you go elsewhere in the country. And, and so I think for a while we've talked about, we've kind of questioned Washington's toughness. I think they're going to be tough this year. And when you got Stanford, who is notoriously tough in that conference, man, I can't wait to see who's tougher between those two. There's 10 through 6. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. See how the power of choice can help you on auto and home insurance. Coming up after the break, we dive into the top five. Could there be Ooh. some surprises? Do you have any surprises? Uh, you will not agree with my number one. <laughs> well, I've already disagreed with a lot on your list. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 returns after this. All right, Jake, uh, you want to know who Athlon had as their top ten best games of please, college football please, season coming up? Please do share. They had OU Texas, October 6th in Dallas right, is I number 10. One. I had that one. Uh, Clemson, Texas A&M at number 9. LOL. At, at number 8, LSU versus Miami. At number 7, Auburn versus Washington. At number 6, Georgia versus LSU. We'll get to their top five. We'll see how it compares to our top five now. I have at number five, and as they had mentioned, you don't like it, but I like the fact that uh, Clemson has to go to Texas A&M. Why? Well, you throw in Kyle Field. You throw in, of course, uh, Jimbo Fisher. This could either this could be. We like, don't know how yeah, good. Well, gonna they're be. not going to be. I mean, this is going to be. This ultimately will be the reality check for him. Clemson could come in there and just blow their doors off. And this is in week two, correct? Yeah. It's the premier matchup of week two. But if you're looking at the overall scheme of I just know how that place is, man. And at Texas A and it is one of the toughest places to play, especially if the Aggies get off to a great start. 
and just that buildup for that game and what that atmosphere will be. And I'm going as a fan, uh, games that I'd want to be at. I'd like to be there week two to watch the Aggies and Clemson. Wouldn't you rather watch, you know, a Clemson-Florida State matchup or a Clemson-Virginia Tech matchup, Clemson-Miami? Kyle Field's special. I get it, but I'm just saying, if you're looking at Clemson games, I I think I value the conference games more Mm -hmm. than that trip to Texas A&M because, like I said, and I feel that, that way at this point. Now, at the end of the season, I could go back and say, you know what, that was a great call on your part because Texas A&M ended up winning nine football games and were uh, the darling of the SEC West. I just don't – we just don't know yet. I mean, they're replacing they're, – they're, they've got Jimbo Fisher. They're, they've got a new defense. We just don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I think it's just too many – it's kind of like what I talk about with LSU. There's just too many question marks to – say in full confidence that this is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. I have it on my list at number five, but I know that very well it could be 35 to 10 Clemson. Yes, it very well could be. Um, all right. My, our, we already talked about my number five was Georgia at LSU. So my number four is Michigan at Notre Dame. Mm, we is, agreed on something. You had that at number four too? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, Michigan at Notre Dame was week one. This is a matchup that I can't wait to see because – Y'all know my love for Michigan. I've talked about it a lot this week. I, they're, they're one of the teams I'm really circling this year to, to make a national title impact. Notre Dame, on the other hand, I, was Huge it, bowl victory. Can they carry that momentum <laughs> was off it, that win against LSU was in that the first week? Fool's gold, though, right? I mean, I, I just feel like that was something that don't, happened. Don't call Matt Canada a fool. I feel like that was something that happened that shouldn't have happened. I mean, Pete Jenkins said himself, Arden Key plays one snap. <laughs> that game's over, right? But, I, I mean, in all seriousness, LSU lost that game yeah. more than Notre Dame won it, if you want to get down to it. Uh, and plus, Notre Dame has – I never have faith in Notre Dame, and, and that's part of the pun. But, but they're at home against Michigan. Okay, but I think Michigan – Michigan, first of all, returns more. I know Notre Dame has a, has a good core coming back, but Michigan returns more. Michigan is more reliable. Notre Dame, that defense, sometimes it can just look absolutely awful, right? And, I mean, they've, they've gone through through multiple guys, and it'll, it'll be new again this year. So, I don't know. I, I, I just think that – I had it so high just because of Notre Dame, Michigan alone. And then, of course, you throw in the mix – Shea Patterson transferring into right. the Wolverines. And the missing point piece most figure is a quarterback for Michigan. Now they have this quarterback. Will he deliver? Well, yes. But I, let me finish my thoughts on Notre Dame. I say all that to say this. People are still high on Notre Dame thinking they're a top 10 team. And I think, you know, with Wimbush, good Wimbush, yeah, maybe so. Maybe they are a top 10 team. But we've seen bad Wimbush, too. If he can be more consistent, I'll, I'll get on board with that top 10 talk. Uh, which makes this a premier matchup. Michigan, uh, on the other hand, like you said, with Shea Patterson, I, I expect them to do great things this year. But this is going to set the path for both teams this year, and that's why I have it in my top five. At number four, at three, after we agree on number four, Michigan-Notre Dame being the fourth best matchup of the college football season on this top ten Thursday. At number three, Ohio State versus Michigan. Urban Meyer has dominated the Wolverines 6-0 and in his time as the Buckeyes head coach. But they have been fairly close the majority of these games. I believe four of those six games have been decided by a single possession. This, of course, would be Harbaugh's opportunity versus Ohio State. This is a punt for me. This is my number one. 
this is my number one game because I think uh, at the end of the day, I have Ohio State and Michigan being the top teams in the Big Ten. And what better way to settle it? I mean, you remember two years ago when it came down to that one game. Of course, everybody remembers it as the fourth down game. But, man, it felt like everybody in the nation was watching that game. And I love tuning into, you know, November Big Ten football when they just roll up their sleeves and say, hey, let's let's get down and let's get dirty. Let's let's see who's tougher, who, who's meaner, who's nastier. And uh, that's what this game's going to be between two rivals um, that should be at the top of college football. At number two, I've got LSU versus Miami. This is going to be what? the matchup. Manny Diaz and the Hurricanes D versus Joe Burrow, whoever they have under center for LSU. What kind of game plan will Steve Ensminger come up with for Miami? Miami, of course, made a lot of headway last year. Can now they be considered a national contender? Can they get out of the gate strong against LSU? You look at their schedule, they got an opportunity. I think they get a, a Virginia Tech. They got to go on the road. They got Florida State at home. This is Miami's opportunity. And then, of course, on the flip side, LSU and the offensive issues. It doesn't make my top ten. How can it not? It doesn't make my top ten. Miami is going to play second fiddle to Clemson in the ACC. LSU is lucky if they're third or fourth in the SEC West. Not my top On storylines alone, it should be in the top five. No. Storylines alone, Jim Harbaugh can't beat Ohio State. That's the storyline going into this year. Jim Harbaugh has a national title contending team. So does Ohio State. When they meet, who who's not tuning in to watch that, to see if Harbaugh can get over the hump against his arch nemesis, against in one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports, Ohio State and Michigan. That alone puts that, I mean, come on, that argument itself is over at LSU-Miami. I'm a little stunned you had that top ten, or even number two. Um, Auburn-Washington is my number three. I value that game and I value Michigan-Notre Dame more than LSU-Miami in terms of national significance in in regards to week one. Uh, My number two is the Iron Bowl. I'm assuming that's probably your number one. No. You don't have the Iron Bowl in your top ten. <laughs> I told you my list wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> and now I look at it, I'm going to be embarrassed when I say it. So, go ahead. You, did you, f- like, accidentally forget the Iron Bowl? No, or no, this was no. This was a, okay. Well, the Iron Bowl is number two on my list because Alabama was embarrassed by Auburn in that game, and then Alabama ends up going on and winning the national championship. I mean, that's if you needed another storyline to go along with, again, one of the greatest rivalries in sports, Alabama and Auburn, two teams who are the favorites in the SEC West, two teams that, you know, the winner of that is going to – it's been proven that the winner of that is usually, um, you know, up for a national title. Now, it didn't work out that way last year because Auburn ended up losing to Georgia in the SEC championship game. But, I mean, every single year, that's one of the biggest games of the season because of the positioning of both schools. Both schools are going to be likely top five schools. And so when they end up meeting in that last weekend in November, come on, man. I mean, what else do I have to say? I, I, I can't believe you left that off of your top ten. I uh, probably should have been. I never had to sell the Iron Bowl before. So do you have any clue who I have at number one? <sighs> Let's see. Um... Mm. Have I said it? Have, no. I haven't said no. it. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, whew. Give me a hint. 
Uh, features one of our area players. Features one of our area. Is it TCU? Yeah. TCU, yeah. Oklahoma? Yeah, this is when the Cavante Turpin uh, Heisman hype starts. Aaron. Week three, Aaron. Oklahoma Aaron. versus TCU at AT&T Stadium. Okay. Kyle Murray gets a – I say it's a road test. It will be a neutral site game. Big test for him. And then, of course, Cavante in Jerry's world. Aaron, you're too biased, man. I, this is a list this about games so that we want to see. Biased. This was about games that we would pay money hard-earned money to go and watch. Where, did it, where was I that I would at? go to Jerry's World, and I would put down a chunk of change. Where was that at in the title? It was top 10 college football games of the 2018 season. I didn't see anything about money. So, Cavante <laughs> will start off the season versus uh, Southern, get a, a few touchdowns versus them. You're then ridiculous. Then at SMU, that'll be a 50-45 to 45 shootout. And then, of course, that leads into Ohio State, the country watching. And they, with their ego – We'll continue to figure out a way to kick it to Cavante. This is what happened in your head. You said, I don't want this to look like every other year. How can I be different? Let me think outside the box. Hey, I oh. didn't put Chad Morris versus Ed Orgeron on the list. <laughs> well, I'm surprised. You saw Oklahoma TCU. You said, ooh, I like that because Cavante Turpin's playing in it. Cavante Turpin, I know him. Hey, maybe he'll be up for a Heisman <laughs> trophy. Maybe I can somehow pull off that argument. <laughs> The only thing that bothers me this last year, you know, I go over to Fort Worth to watch TCU versus West Virginia. Uh-huh. Game day was there. You're oh, thinking, it was packed. Oh, it was going to oh, be it this was amazing atmosphere. It was hot as heck here. out there, and there was literally, I think, 35,000 people in there. Yeah. Well, enjoy your number so one game. Oklahoma of the will pack the place at Jerry's World to we'll watch s- the Sooners. We'll see. We'll see. All right. That was fun. You are frustrating. <laughs> I don't like your opinion sometimes. So is my list better than Athlon Magazine? <laughs> no. At number five, they had UCLA, USC versus Texas, September 15th in that Austin. Was, that's a bad pick. At number four, they've got the Iron Bowl, Auburn versus Alabama. I was wrong. That deserves to be on the list. Auburn versus Georgia at number three. Ohio State, Penn State at number two. And this is their number one game for the upcoming year. West Virginia versus Oklahoma. You can't make in fun of them. Morgantown. You haven't. Actually, that game's better than Oklahoma TCU. They said it's a possible preview of the Big 12 championship game that will be played the following week. Mm. Aaron, I hear Athlon's hiring. You should put in your resume. <laughs> uh, somebody sent in a text. They think Nebraska versus the Iowa Hawkeyes day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Taking a shot at Iowa. I enjoyed that. All right, do it one more time. Give us that creepy voice. What are we doing next as our college football previews roll along? Coming up, Pac-12 after dark. 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. Aaron and Jake hanging out. John Tabor doing a fabulous job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. Tyler says enjoyed the segment. Disagreements shows how good the college football season should be. That's right. And thankfully, it's right around the corner. Ah, oh, thankfully. Um, okay, so we've got to kind of rush through the Pac-12. That's a good thing. I need you to keep me on track because yeah, yeah. I can be long-winded. So About kinda, the Pac-12 you can be? Yeah, so scoot me along. Like, you know, kind of hurry me up right. if I'm going too long. Why should I care about the Pac-12 besides uh, USC and Washington, maybe throw in Stanford? Okay, so outside of those, <laughs> Oregon. I'm rushing you along. I think Oregon. I, I think, uh, you know, Justin Herbert said, the Oregon offense on fire last year. Um, if you look at the statistics, he was when he was in there. The Ducks were six and one, and they have. Aver- <laughs> we 
We got a little jazz music for the Pac-12 after dark. Justin Herbert was incredible last year. The Ducks were 6-1 and one and averaged 52 points. <laughs> now we need to rush okay. you along. Uh, well, let's take a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I thought that was pretty I good. I can't get into jazz music either. Really? Yeah. You're not from Especially with college football. Wow. Okay. I, I appreciate the music, Tabor. Uh, anyway, let me finish my statement. They averaged 52 points per game with him in there, but when he wasn't in there, they were 1-4 and four and had 15 points per game. Okay? So he is a big deal for this Oregon offense. Now, obviously, there's a, there's a change at head coach. Um, and, you know, how will that affect the team? You know, I – Mario is, is is hiring some hiring is uh, recruiting some big fellas on the offensive line. I expect you on first name basis with Mario Cristobal or what? <laughs> Mario, Mario, <laughs> Mario tells me. Yeah, well. Anyway, he's he's been getting some big boys. It looks like he's gonna be you know he's, he wants to run the football like they did mm. in years years previous. So I I think Oregon's a team to watch just because of Justin Herbert. Uh, that's kind of my whole argument there. And it, and listen, it's been since 2014 since Oregon's won a bowl game. And that's crazy. So, eyes on Oregon. And, and Richie says Washington State and Mike Leach maybe LOL. You know, Washington has been playing the stop and go under him for, for quite a while. And I think this will be another one of those years where we do more stopping than going. Because Luke Falk's not a quarterback anymore. Um, and and I know it's a system where you can kind of plug and play quarterbacks, and Leach is going to get, you know, he's going to get numbers and productivity no matter who the quarterback is, just because Leach is that good of an offensive coach. That said, I think it's something to be said about a guy, you know, from him and Connor Holiday. That's been what the last seven years Washington State's had stability at the quarterback position, so they don't really have that stability this year. And Washington State always is like knocking at the door with Leach, but they never seem to be able to kick the door in. So without a you know, a, a, a proven guy at quarterback, I question I don't think they'll kick the door in this year. Yeah, the nice home field advantage there under Mike Leach. Uh, they have five Pac twelve games at home this year and over the course of the last three years they are sixteen and four at home. Let me let me talk for a minute why I like Washington so much. I think they're far and away the favorite to win the Pac twelve. Uh, Jake Browning had a disappointing season last year, but He's the most seasoned quarterback in the Pac-12. And even though it was a quote-unquote down year, he still threw for 2,700 yards and 19 touchdowns. Oh, and the guy beside him in the backfield will be Miles Gaskin, who had who has 4,055 career rushing yards. I mean, come on, 4,000 career rushing yards he returns? That plus they have NFL prospects that tackle on the line that's both seasoned and talented, and the defense returns six players that start at least – six games in the secondary so i think they're good at every level the question the question remains are they tough enough can they replace a guy like vita vea who they lost to the to the draft uh without a hitch you know can you can you lose a guy a disruptor up front at uh, on the defensive line without a hitch that's my question but i think they're going to be just fine and and if you want to just sum it sum it to this they returned 16 starters on a team that won 10 games last year in a season that was regarded as a bit of a disappointment because of what they did the year before. So I like Washington a lot. I think everybody's playing catch-up to Washington this year, especially since USC is in this weird state where – listen to this crazy stat I found. First time since 1980, USC 
has to replace its starting quarterback, leading rusher, and number one receiving target. That's pretty crazy. That's that's tough to replace. So, Before we move over to the South and USC, Utah, and uh, the likes of uh, UCLA, staying in the North, and we probably should give Stanford more credit than they deserve, David Shaw has to be one of the top ten coaches in college football. I would think it, the list we just – talked about it that they had him right outside the top 10 which we but but the question remains who do you replace him with and then people we get into the whole Jim Harbaugh argument we'll save that for another day but Stanford David, has to go to Oregon Washington and Notre Dame this year yeah but David Shaw is a tremendous coach man and look I think it's it's an interesting position that they're in because they went nine and five last year and they've kind of it's kind of change this public perception of Stanford heading into this year. What hype do they have? What what hype does Stanford have? But when you look at it, they return one of the best offensive lines in the country, arguably the best back in the country with Bryce Love, and they actually found a quarterback with K.J. Costello. So, you know, Costello was more efficient than a lot of the other guys that they tried back there. So you look at this offense, and you're going, yeah, man, I'm feeling really good about the Stanford team. But then you look at the defense, and you realize that, oh, they're in a transitive state. They – they lost a lot from last season, and quite frankly, they weren't as good as they typically are or typically have been um, last season. So I think the defense will be playing catch-up this year, but that's okay because the offense is good enough to carry them early on. So Stanford, I think, is the greatest threat to Washington's Pac-12 crown, and that's why I had Stanford-Washington in my top ten games. Two texts here. Richie says, you're right, Jake. Washington will win the conference again, and then they'll get blown out in the playoff again. <laughs> Ronnie, which I consider your nemesis, Jake, Yes. says, Jake, I'm disappointed with your list. Washington, question mark. Stanford, question mark. Oh, Seriously, time. question mark. There are Sunbelt Conference games that will feature harder hits than Washington will display against a team like Stanford. Putting that game and all three people in the audience who watch it on your list deserves a spot on Come on, man. Look, like it or not, Washington is going to be featured on that ESPN show where they unveil the top four. Washington's going to be a hot topic every single week. And the question always remains around Washington. Are they physical enough? Stanford, and I, I would say Stanford and Utah are always the two teams that we view as the most physical teams in that conference. So give me a Stanford-Washington showdown. Let's see Washington prove those doubters wrong. And as I move you along in the Pac-12, you look at the South, and, of course, the high-profile quarterbacks at USC and UCLA are gone. You still have, of course, Arizona and Khalil Tate. Yeah, Khalil Tate, who, I mean, he absolutely broke out last year. Um, he helped lead the Arizona Wildcats in scoring, rushing, and total offense. So you're talking about a guy who I believe was four straight weeks, won the Pac-12 uh, Player of the Week award, which had never been done before. So now you throw Kevin Sumlin in, in this uh, little plan, and you're shaking your head over there, but Kevin Sumlin can coach offenses, okay? So you give Sumlin th this type of, of, of a playmaker in this offense, I want to see what he can do. That said, you know, um, Arizona, defensively, they haven't been exactly stout over there, and Kevin Sumlin, that's not exactly his expertise either. So... Arizona's an interesting team to follow. I don't know if they're – I think they're more pretender than contender, but it'll be exciting to watch the Khalil Tate highlights after uh, – the next morning because most people don't stay up to watch these Pac-12 games. Arizona State, of course, they play to win the game. That's the major storyline. <laughs> I knew you wanted to get to Arizona Madness. State. Yes. Yeah, so if you like train wrecks, Arizona State looks to be the school to watch closely because Herm Edwards is going back to coach. 
team has its fourth offensive coordinator in as many years, and the defense is switching to a 3-3-5. So all of these transitions, surely this is going to be a mess of a product, right? But then again, maybe I'm underestimating or undervaluing uh, Herm Edwards. Maybe yeah. he could, maybe he's still got it. Maybe he can go in there and, and pull off and possibly win coach of the year. If he goes in there and wins uh, eight games, yeah, I think he'd be in the conversation. That said, that's not happening. This is going to be a mess. Who else you want to talk uh, about? Well, obviously at the top of the division, you got USC and Utah. Yeah, I've already talked about USC. I'll talk about Utah for a second. Um, Last year, they lost four starters on the offensive line, and you saw that affect them early on. Um, but once they jailed, I think you can look at the last I believe, yeah, last four games of the year, they scored over 30 points. And so you kind of saw that offensive line perform much better as the season got, got had went along. Now they return those guys. And the offense also returns its starting quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Uh, the defense has a star in the making in Bradley and Nay. That said, they still have to replace eight starters on the defense. So Utah is kind of a question mark, too. I, I expect them to play that Utah brand of football, that physical nature. But um, overall, I expect the offense to be further along than the defense. And I think that's going to help out. Because you saw they, they really got off to a slow start last year. We mentioned, of course, one of uh, my top ten games at USC at UCLA. What kind of impact can Chip Kelly make? And you talk about... His reputation and his legacy, everybody thinks what a fantastic college coach in his days at Oregon. He went 46-7 and seven as the head coach. Things didn't go as well in the NFL, though. No, but I expect him to have success at UCLA. I just don't expect it to come this year because this is a rebuild year, man. Um, I think we'll all be tuning in to see how it goes. But that offensive line needs major work. And like I said earlier in the show, I think the up-tempo style will, will help mask some of that. But there's only so much you can mask when it comes to, you know, the concerns you have in the trenches. So if any team goes into the season with those concerns, I, I quickly kind of mark them off as, as a contender. So that's why I was kind of scoffing at you putting UCLA and USC in your top ten. Because I, quite honestly, I expect USC to take a step back also. I mean, with all that they've lost, uh, all the star power that they lost we got a text here uh from tommy jake washington did they dig don james up what is oh. i don't understand why people are questioning washington in this conference pac-12 i would say is the fourth best conference of the power five so we're not talking about the big 10 acc or sec here we're talking about a conference that has maybe four to maybe i would say three to four teams that could potentially win the pac-12 Washington is way further ahead of the, the, the rest of those teams that are group in that three or four um, selection. So I don't understand why people are questioning whether or not Washington will win this conference. And when they win this conference, they're going to have an argument that, hey, we should be in the national title con uh, conversation, especially if they're somehow able to beat Auburn in the season opener. They beat one of the top SEC teams. So, guys, you might want to start paying attention to Washington a little bit. Mm. 888-993-7762. That is the Pac-12 preview. Yeah. I, I could have did the whole thing in the creepy voice, by the way. <laughs> I think it would have been better. Probably wouldn't have been good for ratings. <laughs> Probably not. What are we doing tomorrow? S-E-C. You don't say. Yes, sir. Oh, nice. Yeah.
coming up after the break, uh, our coaching conversations with coaching legends continues our series. You'll hear from uh, Chick Childress after the break conversation or a story we did with him. Uh, and, of course, the legacy that he had in Louisiana high school football and, of course, his impact at Ruston High. The Morning Drive is back after this with our parting shots. Another text from Tommy, only one team in Washington worth watching, and their, their coach walks to work. I think we know who he's referencing. Uh, yeah, I think he's talking about Mike Leach. Yeah, um, we all love Mike Leach. I think that's safe to say. All right, Jake, so usually I'm a hoarder when it comes to uh, keeping audio and video clips. And, uh, Is it like your notes from the show? Yeah, we still there's like six years of notes. Now that one that's not very organized over there, mm-hmm. but the station and other places I, I usually have it pretty organized and confined stuff. We had a couple of conversations with uh, Chick Childress through the years, and unfortunately, I'm unable to to locate him. Of course, uh, we lost Chick in uh, 2015. You want to talk about a, a coaching legend uh, at Ruston, what he did there, leading them to a 131 and 27 overall record, four state championships. 82, 86, 88, and 1990. Unable to find that interview we had with Chick Childress, but I did find this uh, oldie but goodie here, just the legacy of Chick Childress and also the unique relationship that he had with his rival, Charlie Brown. Fortunate enough to cover the, uh, to coach it, uh, two of probably the best high school programs in the state. Rustin and Neville were fortunate to have Chick Childress wear their school colors. The Bearcat graduate spent 15 seasons as a Neville assistant and formed a unique bond with another Northeast Louisiana legend. Chick and I rode to school for something like 19 years together. He lived right down Fort Myro from where I live, and he was driver's ed teacher, and he had a car. The carpoolers formed quite a team as they are part of four titles together at Neville. When the Rustin job came open, Childress was pegged as the man to take over a struggling program. Had a long ways to go when I took it over. uh... The Bearcats blossomed into a state contender and ran into an old foe in the 1982 title game. Showdown at the Superdome between Neville and Rustin. That game certainly lived up to the hype as the Bearcats won 8 to nothing. And the Rustin Bearcats win the Quad A state championship. game like this, I, I don't consider any losers between us and Neville. Uh, you know, to get this far, you've got to be a winner. Two years later, the rivals hooked up again. Two Titans out of District 3 Quad A in Northeast Louisiana do battle. The Tigers prevailed this time, and the rivalry had reached a bowling point. It was always a great rivalry. I think, best I recall, at one time, it was ranked in the top ten in the nation. I had tremendous respect for Chick when he was coaching at uh, Ruston, not because uh, of uh, he, he knew what we were going to do. Chick's teams hatched titles in 86, 88, and 1990. His last championship squad was arguably the best ever in Northeast Louisiana as they finished ranked number one in the country. Well, it was good enough. I think we had 13 youngsters signed you know, off of that ball clip. For a coach who posted a gaudy 131-27 and 27 record at Ruston, he always said his biggest accomplishment came from the lifelong relationships he developed along the way. I've never heard a player say anything negative about Coach Chick. It was always in a positive light. Now, they may not have liked what he had to say or if he fussed at him, but that comes with the job, but they always respected him. 
Good stuff there. Uh, of course, Chick Childress passed away in 2015. Our coaching legend series will continue tomorrow. Got some great clips from Eddie Robinson. Look forward to that. One final thing about Childress. He was a part of nine state championship teams in his career. Four as a head coach at Ruston. Another four as an assistant coach at Neville. And then one as a player at Ruston way back in 1947. Wow. Almost ran out of fingers there for the rings. That leads us to our parting shots. <laughs> Go, Jake. All right, so Aaron, I love hard knocks, and I love these off-season programs where you get these these documentaries. You know, they, they really pull back the curtain and let you see what these NFL organizations do um, on a regular basis. Could we do one in Northeast Louisiana high school football team? Oh, that'd be awesome. Or maybe we'll just do a high school basketball team with Terry Waldrop over here, behind that, the scenes with the St. Frederick Warriors. Might have to censor a lot. I don't know, but uh, no. It, Anyway, I really enjoy those. I always look forward to those. But um, a couple of years back, the Rams were featured, and this was when Jeff Fish, Fisher was the coach. I struggled to yeah. get through. I don't even think I watched yeah. it. I think he's I watched. He's so boring. He's incredibly boring. So you know what they ought to do? They ought to put him in a booth. Yeah. They ought to put him in a studio. Pay him like $2 million a year to do it. So the Sporting News is reporting that Fisher is in talks with Fox Sports. Yeah. For an NFL analyst job, either in the studio or in the booth. How does this make sense at all? I mean, yes, I think one of the requirements to be an analyst is you have to be knowledgeable about the game. I think another requirement is you have to be entertaining, right? (laughs) You can't just sit there and just like, you know, mild mannered break the game down without changing any any tone or anything. I, I just think this is a boring move. Like. Like Tony Romo is, is hitting it out of the park. Uh, Jeff Fisher is not not doing that. So everybody gets to just uh, because Romo's doing well, they can just say, "I oh, will ride his coattails in." Oh, they're looking for a job. Yeah, and I guess people aren't exactly uh, looking for a seven and nine season, so hmm. you might have to go to this this sort of work. I really thought for your parting shots, you take that opportunity for the one thing you're probably going to get right the entire football season. <laughs> The fact that you nailed who LSU is going to send to the SEC. It was very that. easy. Uh, <laughs> Rashard's well-spoken, is a veteran. Uh, everyone's expecting a breakout year. Devin White, you can say the exact same things about him. He's one of the best linebackers in the country. Yeah. Then on the opposite side, you, you need someone from the offense. Uh, Foster Moreau has been there for years. Uh, again, is a, is a colorful guy. I think a lot of people don't uh, really know Foster too well, but he, he is quite hilarious, and I think he'll – He'll actually have some good good material for reporters at SC Media Days. Uh, we had a f- good time today. Uh, let's try to do it again tomorrow. Coming up tomorrow, it's going to break down the SEC. Yeah, about time, right? Yeah. We could do the whole show on that. Yeah, probably will. I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, if you want, Aaron, I know we could we could do this uh, just for the SEC. We could come in tomorrow uh, kind of ranking where we think the teams will finish in right. both divisions. We're also going to have a, a World Cup preview for the final on Sunday. Oh, we are? Yeah. Okay, Tabor, you got some homework. <laughs>
Everybody have a great day. The Edge is coming up. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.